This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey. Hey guys, just a quick disclaimer before we start. We are not registered investment advisors. Everything we say is our opinion alone. There are risks involved in investing in cryptocurrencies or in anything. None of the information presented here is intended as financial advice and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Everything you're going to hear is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Hey, Stan. So, we don't have a password for this Zoom meeting and that doesn't worry you that there there will be bad people who come into the room and, and wreak havoc? No, I have to let them in. Oh, so they can't just get in. They've got to have permission. Zoom forces you to choose at least one security option. That's either a password or an a waiting room. Okay, good. Yeah. And we're safe. Oh, that's great. <laughs> we're safe from people seeing what we're recording publicly. Cheers to uh, you on this beautiful day. <laughs> Cheers. Hey. <laughs> well, this is your episode, isn't it? Um, yeah, I'm going to be teaching you about NFTs. NFTs, don't tell me, uh, don't blockchain. tell me. Let, let me see if I can guess yeah. what it means. Okay. Is okay. it Newfoundland Territory? Eastern <laughs> okay. Province of Canada? Yeah, you got it. That's right. Uh, That's I right. think it's to simplify purchase. So, it's, it's no frills transactions. <laughs> I guess North, some people let, can. Let me, let me try a few. I might get it. North Fraternity Terrorists. Whoa. No? I guess I guess all of those could be uh, real opinions people have about this. Never yeah. fly tanks. Nancy finishes Thackeray. How long From, are you going to keep going with this until you I, let until me I, tell until you? Until I get it. it. <laughs> until you get it. Come on, you already know what it is. I actually don't. I thought it was new, uh, uh, not new funds transfers or something like that. But it's non fungible tokens. Yeah, see, you do Let know it. Let <laughs> me tell you everything I know about it. You told me that this is going to be a way that artists can control their intellectual properties and make money from their intellectual properties. That is one small use case of the blockchain technology, correct? Okay, yeah. I've got a lot um, to learn. As far as I know. Then the next thing is a day or two later, somebody else told me the same thing and was very excited about this. 
And then a week later, okay. I all I heard was how controversial this is and <laughs> yes. how it will it is very controversial. destroy the planet, which in some views would be a negative thing. I think by most views, that's a negative thing. Well, it would include <laughs> a- in the destruction the people who destroyed the planet. So, there'd be that advantage. Correct. I think, yeah. I mean, the, you know, the people that don't care about dying don't care about the environment dying either. Okay. How about if I play the student? Yeah. Okay. So, there's so much to unpack here, Marshall. This might be a long episode. Um, I'm going to try to go through these things and make them as simple as possible for everybody. Because it is a really complicated thing. I've been going down this rabbit hole for a very long time. I've been following blockchain, Bitcoin for, I don't know, five years now or something like that. Wow. It's, it's evolved a lot. It's, um, it's always changing and it's very complicated and it could be dangerous for people. People could lose money because it's so complicated. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm going to save all my warnings to the end. Okay. I have a lot of things to say about like if you do plan on doing this sort of thing, there's a lot of things you got to be careful about because um, it's not just kind of like a, hey, let's go try it out and see what happens. Like, no, like there's some, this is, you, this is a thing that requires personal responsibility. Well, Stan, I do not even know what Bitcoin is except that yes. it is a way of exchanging money that's different from the way people exchange money. I've never used Bitcoin. I, I just don't know about it. First of all, the main topic here is blockchain. Blockchain is the new technology that's been around for a long time. Along with that come a lot of impl- implications. It's kind of like the internet is was a new technology and from the internet you got all these other things that you can go down all these other rabbit holes of what the internet is, what's possible with the internet. Okay, that's kind of the same thing here. NFTs are one way you could use blockchain. Currency is another way you could use blockchain. There's many implications and people are going to just get really creative here and it's going to keep evolving. The beliefs are polarizing. Some people believe that it is amazing, it's the next great thing, it's, it has the power to uh, change the fabric of our society and bring power back to the people. Um, Equalize, you know, bring back um, classes, you know, you know, the separation of classes and wealth and, and all that stuff. And then some people believe it can cause World War III and that it is a pyramid scheme and that it could destroy the environment. Okay. So, there's these very polarizing things about this technology. And so, either way, <laughs> this is a very important thing. Indeed. That people need to start uh, researching and participating in. Well, with an introduction like that, you've hooked me. You you have told me, <laughs> yeah. you know, when, when before the internet, if we could have known what was going to happen with the internet, we would have seen all sorts of horrible things that would happen with it, which have happened. And we've seen all sorts of things like that uh, all sorts of stuff was going on that could be kept in the shadows that could no longer be kept in the shadows. So, there's, yeah, I'm, you have definitely piqued my curiosity. And I want to say that both sides of this controversy, of this debate mm-hmm. are right. They both have things that they are right about. And then there's a lot of uncertainty on both sides about what, 
how will this evolve? Sometimes this debate, it's like there is no answer yet. So, first of all, I want to briefly summarize what we're going to talk about and because some people listening have probably already started doing some research and it's confusing. You've been hearing words like blockchain, NFTs, smart contract, fungibility, metaverse, uh, digital scarcity, decentralization, a ledger, proof of work, proof of stake, proof of history, like all these words and it's like, what does it mean? (laughs) And I'm going to try to cover all of those things and I'm going to try to explain it to you in a way that you understand. Yeah. So, here it goes. First, we're going to start with what is blockchain because this is really where it all begins. Um, In a simple way, it is a public ledger. Let's stop there. (laughs) What is a ledger? Right? That's another key word here. You need to understand. A ledger is basically where records are kept. If something happens, a transaction, you need to keep a record of that transaction. A ledger is where that's recorded. A blockchain is literally just a chain of records that something happened. The reason people think this is an improved way of doing a ledger is because one, it is immutable, which means it cannot be changed. The reason it cannot be changed is because it is decentralized. It means not, it's, there's no single authority that is writing to that ledger. There's literally just like thousands of computers that are keeping these records and they're spread out and anybody can become one of these, anyone can own one of these computers that adds to the records of the chain. And anybody can, you right now can go online and look up a transaction that happened any point in history that was recorded in this chain. So, it's transparent, it's not controlled by one authority that can, you know, tinkle with, tinker, tinker with it. There's not one blockchain, by the way. Bitcoin was the first, Ethereum came around after that and made some improvements and now there's hundreds of them, Hmm. uh, of newer ones that are always like making improvements to to these block, to this technology. And each of them is basically, it's going to be a separate chain, but eventually I think they're all going to talk and they they do already actually all kind of intermingle and talk to each other. Um, But they all kind of have different purposes because they run on different technologies, different ways of doing things. They do, some are better for some things, some are better for other things. And so, quickly, I will just explain that the biggest difference between these is the way they uh allow people to write to the ledger um bitcoin uses something called proof of work where the computers are all competing to solve a really difficult cryptographic problem and the first one that solves it gets to write to it um there is kind of a little hint at what we're going to talk about later which is the environmental impact when all of these computers are doing all of the you know trying to solve all these difficult cryptographic problems, you get warehouse-sized computers with giant air conditioners using up a lot of electricity and that's bad. Um, So, that's proof of work. Ethereum and a lot of others use proof of stake which is more, it's, it's not, you're not, not everybody's doing the work to solve a problem in order to get access to write to the ledger. Now, they're just, they can write to the ledger based on 
how many coins they own, how much share of the network they own. Um, and then there's other ones like proof of history. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole because that could be several hours of conversation on, on like technical developer stuff. Basically, the point is it's always changing and improving. And the problem right now, I think, with the community that people are talking about is that most of it is run on Ethereum. All of these NFTs that people are talking about, it's run on Ethereum, which is not very efficient. And it has a lot of problems and, and I'll talk about them later. Okay. Um, but the, the great thing is um, there's a lot of other ones that are way more efficient and are not nearly as bad for the environment. Okay. Blockchain, I understand, is a different thing from an NFT. Blockchain is a ledger. It's a record of what happens. What What's an NFT? Okay. So, an NFT is one use case for the blockchain. And so, to understand it, you need to understand a smart contract, which was kind of like you had Bitcoin, which was just a bunch of transactions. And then Ethereum came around and Ethereum allowed you to add a smart contract to the transaction. So, it allows you to add different things to it. You can attach an, a file to it. You can attach a link, whatever. It's like a, it's a little contract. Um, so, that opens the doors now to uh, what you can call tokenizing something, right? This is, it's, it's more than, let's just, let's simplify this even okay. more. Basically, let's just, let's just focus on the artist here. What a smart contract will allow artists to do is attach their art to the transaction. Okay. So, now you actually have this thing, this, this, when some, when the transaction happens, something moves from one wallet to another. And now it's not just like one ETH or one coin. Now it's one piece of art. Okay. Right now, it's more than this this dollar or penny or dime or whatever you're moving. Now it's actually something. Um, and so now let's talk about fungibility, because NFT st stands for non fungible token, and fungibility is really it's just exchangeability. So you could call it non exchangeable token, okay. and and that's really what the difference is of what I just said. The difference between a penny and a piece of art. A penny can be exchanged for another penny, mm -hmm. right? If, if, if you need to pay me five cents, you can take out any penny from your wallet and give it to me. I don't care which one you give me. Is it me. interchangeable in their value? Yeah, they're, intercha they're, ex they're interchangeable, they're fungible. Yeah, okay. That's what that okay, word means. It. If you collect baseball cards and there's a thousand of these baseball cards that are printed, and they're the same baseball card, those baseball cards are not actually fungible. They're not inter interchangeable because as soon as they're made and as soon as they're spread out, they all have their own history. They all have their own quality. They age differently. Somebody puts them in a plastic casing, another person puts them in their wallet and it just like gets ruined over time. Um, you, if you own a baseball card that's really rare and, and very valuable and you kept really good care of it, you don't want to exchange that baseball card with the same one but somebody else took care of it not as well as you took care of it, right? Okay, I got it. It's not exchangeable yeah. because you could sell yours for much more money than this really crappy one that is ripped up. It's unique. I've got it. Makes sense? Yes. So, it's not like a penny. Even though a penny, your penny could be really dirty, even maybe like a car ran over it or something even scratched it up and 
but mine can be brand new, super shiny, but they're both worth a penny, <laughs> right? Um, so that, does that make it clear what fungibility is? Some things can be exchanged, some things cannot. It is honoring the uniqueness of this token. Exactly. And it's owned by a particular person. Yeah. So, this ledger, the blockchain, records who owns what. Now, what you can have is you can have a digital piece of art and you as the artist could attach that to a token and say, this is the one. This is the original JPEG <laughs> of my art. Let's keep it really simple right now. No, no complex contracts. Just there's a JPEG in this contract and this is the original one. And I'm going to put it on the blockchain and that's it. It's there forever. It's a history that this was the one I, mi I minted, I, I published um, to the chain. And now anybody can check on the blockchain and, and see that like, yep, there's that one that was minted. And so, what that creates is scarcity and like proof of ownership. Doesn't that exist already? I mean, I can prove in copy, if I copyright something or even if I don't copyright it, I can show that I created the, the, here's the pencil drawings, here's the dates on these files of these PSD files that show when I created them and when I last altered them. Not really, no. No, th that's not, um, a, a JPEG file, you can alter that, the code in a JPEG file. If I want to sue someone who is using my image, I can prove that I did it and I have the legal right to that image. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And that's not what this is about. So, how is it different? Because it sounded like that's what this is about, is that you can prove that it's your JPEG. Well, I can prove that it's my image and I could prove that it was my JPEG. You're talking about you, you as the artist. Mm -hmm can prove that you made that art. Yeah. But if you sell a digital painting to someone, not the rights to it, you, you sell the digital painting itself. Yeah. How do they prove that they own it, that they bought it from you? Because there would be a contract that we've both agreed to. And how can anybody see this contract? Because somebody takes somebody to court. <laughs> no, I mean like how do you prove to your friends? You, you got to show your contract to your friends? Yeah. No. No, you're okay. not, no, Marshall, yeah, but, you're not. But, so, there's the problem with digital art as being, uh, being owned by someone. You can't buy someone's... Let me explain it another okay. way and I think it'll be more clear. Okay. When you send me a JPEG by email, mm -hmm. you're not sending me the same file. The server on, that you're connected to makes a copy of it and sends it to the server that runs my email and now there's a copy of that JPEG on both servers. All right. Right? You're not sending me the original. You still have that JPEG a copy and now I have a copy and now I can send that JPEG to someone else and now they have a copy. These are fungible things. Those JPEGs are, are you can exchange them, they're exactly the same, doesn't they're matter. They're like pennies. They're like pennies. They're just JPEG files that are exactly the same. Okay. Um, none of them are proof that I own it. When you publish that same exact JPEG as a token on the blockchain, you are proving that that token is the original. Mm -hmm. Anybody could check. So, if you send me from your wallet to my wallet that token, 
it is no longer in your wallet. As the artist that created it, you, you no longer possess that JPEG token. It is now in my wallet. You don't have it. Really? Anybody could scan, look at the, the ID of that token, look it up and say, yeah, yeah, that's the real one. It happened at this moment in time. <laughs> it's recorded. It's really unique. But then we have the same problem we had with museums before there were good reproductions of printing. You'd have to go to the museum to see it. If, it's, if I own that JPEG and anybody looks at it on a screen, can they not simply screen grab it or even take a picture of it? Great question. Wonderful question, Marshall. You're, you're, you're asking such amazing questions today. <laughs> Thanks. I'm so confused that, uh, that I hope these are useful, yes. but that is one reason why I'm confused is that it isn't unique if it's showing up on everybody's screen, everybody's seeing it, which means that it's easy to put it in your pocket. Absolutely. So, you can take a photograph of that JPEG. You don't even need to take a photograph of that JPEG. You could take a screenshot and it's literally the same set of pixels. Yeah. So, what do we do with that? But, but yours is a copy. Mm -hmm. Whereas the original one is the original one that is in the ledger that has, that's shown and it's proved as the original and you are the owner. Let me give you an analogy of why that even matters okay. because it's like, well, who cares if I own it? I can still look at that JPEG and I can appreciate that's it. That's right. That's the question, yeah. right? It's like, okay, so <laughs> here's, I, this is the best analogy I've heard so far, okay? Back to the baseball cards. You own this $250,000 baseball card that is super rare and very valuable and people have agreed that this piece of paper for some reason is worth $250,000, right? Okay. Anybody could look at this baseball card. Anyone can take a picture of it. I could even duplicate, replicate that exact same baseball card for like 100 bucks. Go to a manufacturer that prints baseball cards <laughs> and they could replicate it for like a hundred bucks, make it identical yeah. to that same one that cost $250,000. But does my replica, which is literally the exact same thing, cost $250,000? No. No. Why? Because it's not, why, why it's not it? the real thing. It's not the real thing. It's not the original. Yeah. So, the value is not actually tied to the physical thing. It's tied to the ownership. It's tied to the mental, the, the, our knowledge of yeah, it, yeah. our idea of what it means to own something. Yeah. It, this whole value thing is just a human construct. Like, if you try to like put, bring it back down to like physics, it actually makes zero sense. Mm -hmm. Even the real world, just the way we value things just begins to actually make zero sense. Mm -hmm. But to us, it's real. Emotions are real. You can buy fake Nikes that are made in the exact same warehouse as the real Nikes. The same people made those Nikes. So, they're literally the same thing. Mm -hmm. But they're not approved by Nike, mm -hmm. right? They're, they were made illegally uh, without Nike's knowledge and then they were put into the market. And if you as the owner, you collect, you, you got these Nikes that are, you think are worth a lot of money and you're like, man, I love these. And then you found out, oh no, these are just Chinese knockoffs. How are you going to feel? I can see how people would feel ripped off. To me, I, I don't know that it would make a difference, but I do understand. Exactly. Okay, there's a great point right there. So, most people 
don't care about that $250,000 baseball card. They would never pay $250,000 for that baseball card. They could just look at it on the internet and be like, cool, cool card, man. <laughs> With me, same thing. I don't care about those awesome Nikes, those rare Nikes. I would never pay more than 100 something bucks for a pair of shoes. And really, to me, they need to have some kind of utility yeah. to actually have $100 of value. They can't just be signed or autographed by by somebody. To me, that actually doesn't mean anything. But to some people, it really does. I know. And it's the collectors, that people, the people that care about this thing. To them, it does. And those are the few people that say, yes, this baseball card is worth $250,000. And all you need is a few people that think it's worth that much that want to own it for it to actually be worth that much. So, the same thing goes with NFTs. You can make a digital copy of that JPEG and you could look at it and you can appreciate that art, but you're not the owner. And to most people, that doesn't matter. Okay. They will appreciate that JPEG just as much. That's right. To most people, I think. But to some people, it does. And some people want to own the original and they will pay thousands of dollars to own the original. I had a friend, Stan, who yeah. collected vinyl albums back in the 80s and he had a room devoted to all of these historic albums and it was amazing. It was air conditioned specifically to keep them in a cool, dry place and uh, I remember asking about a particular album. He pulled it off the shelf. It was still in the wrapping and I said, ah, it's, it's still wrapped. If you play, he said, oh, I would never unwrap this. I would never play it. And I felt <laughs> there's yeah. something that to me, I, I know the legitimacy of that, that you're preserving history. But to me, it just felt wrong to take a piece of music and, and museumize it in a way that you're not even going to hear the music. You're just going to say it's in there somewhere. But that's, that's, that's me. Yeah. And I know that there are people and that they are important people sometimes really are important yeah. people because they've got enough money to make a difference in how things go. So, part of this is like telling a kid about grown-up pleasures. The kid just can't get it um, and doesn't really understand why all the fuss about that. Yeah, it's bragging rights. Somebody comes over who shares this um, excitement over something with you. Somebody also loves baseball cards mm -hmm. and you're like, look what I got. I'm like, oh my God, you got that. That's amazing. And you got that, you know, you got these bragging rights. It's like, you're cool now. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing is like, there's less chance of counterfeit on the blockchain than in real life actually makes it even more valuable. Some people believe that NFTs become even more valuable than physical collectibles because you can't counterfeit them. Um, you can easily check what's real and what's not. Anyone can very quickly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, and 
there's no damage. That's the third one, right? Physical things, there's, you could damage them in a fire. You could lose them. Well, what, about, what about for those of us who don't care about bragging rights? What about the thing that attracted this uh, – attracted me to what you were telling me about them a few weeks ago in the first place, which is that it would be a way to simplify a claim of ownership for money rights. For money rights? What do you mean by that? I don't care about bragging rights. But I do care about trying to collect money that was due to me because I owned that. And that can happen anyway if I'm willing to take the time to prove in court that this is mine. You as an artist are already protected by that. Right. You don't need the blockchain to prove to the courts that you are the artist mm -hmm. that made this. This is not about the original, about copyrights. Mm -hmm. This is about ownership of an asset. Of an original, unique asset that nobody can counterfeit. Yes. There's a difference here. So, what would be the, what's the appeal for me and also for people who are listening? What is it that they're listening to this and saying, why would I want NFTs? Is it so that people who want bragging rights of my work will put a lot are you of talking energy? For artists? Yeah. Yeah. For artists. Why, for artists? why would artists be attracted to this? Digital artists uh, would be more attracted to it because finally there is a way to sell digital art mm -hmm. to people, to their fans and have them feel like they own an original. Mm -hmm. it, I mean, it's as simple as that. Okay. Now, one, one other thing about like uh, the reason why people would even want to pay money for it. I mean, one is they actually like the thing they're buying. They actually like the artist. They want to support the artist. They they want to own this thing, uh, which is collecting. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing, which is real, is investing. <laughs> ah. And a lot of artists are kind of against this thing. And but whatever, like this is a real thing in the art world. People invest their money into art, and whether you like it or not, it's something that happens. So like, I I don't know if you know, but a lot of really expensive art like the Picassos, um, when people buy those for millions of dollars, like a lot of times they never even claim it. How do you mean? They don't hang that, they don't hang that art in their house. They just own I mean, it. Some do, of course. Yeah, some, some do. Some that really want that thing to hang in their house so they could see it. They do, they hang it. But it is very frequent for people to buy the, this art for millions of dollars simply to store va their value mm -hmm. because it's a better store of value than money in a checking account right. which will depreciate whereas art traditionally appreciates, it, gets, it, it grows in value. So, this is for investors. Um, yeah. So, for investors that want to store their, their value, their, their money in something, they buy art, physical art and they keep them in these vaults in Switzerland um, and they don't actually claim the art. All they're doing is just, it's like a bank account for them. Okay. And that's a real thing. It's an asset that has value. Um, so, that's one more thing but uh, most artists probably listening to this don't care about that but I just did want to point that out. But what artists would care about is that I want an investor to invest in my art knowing that will, it will go up. Yes, exactly. And that this is a way to do it yes. with a digitally created work of art. Yeah. So, the blockchain, you kind of get it. It's a ledger. It's where we keep records. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Boring stuff. Let's get on with um, the environmental impact because I think a lot of people listening to right now kind of want to hear about this yeah. and I want to I wanna 
The, the biggest thing I want to say about this is that the two sides, like I'm seeing a lot of hostility. I'm seeing a lot of people arguing and it's like, you know how when, when people talk face to face one on one, um, you tend to be a little bit more respectful, right? Like even if you disagree, you can see their face. If you hurt them, you feel bad. Um, so, you, 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 you kind of tone it down a little bit. Once you take that to like a bar and now you have multiple people, the one-on-one -on -one is, is taken away a little bit and so now you can get, have a bar fight and, and you know, a brawl. Then you take, you multiply that a little bit and, that you, and you take a thousand people on the streets or in a stadium that are in a disagreement and that can escalate to a riot, right? Um, and now you multiply that to millions of people on the internet. And now it's like a full-on war, okay? It's like that one-on-one -on -one interaction and that respect for people is like completely gone. And that's what I'm seeing here is it's like we need to realize that we, like we all really kind of want the same thing here. And now I'm talking specifically about artists with NFTs and the environment thing. So like I don't think anybody's trying to like hurt the environment or at least the majority here are not trying to hurt the environment. And also, I don't think anybody, anybody who's trying to protect the environment is trying to hurt artists' ability to make a living. Right. Like, both of these sides want the same thing. They want a healthy, clean environment and they want artists to be able to make a living. Like, they both want the same thing, but they're, they disagree on a, a technology and we will go down a better path if we listen to each other and if we understand that both sides have a point here and that there are improvements that need to be made and that the concerns are, are real and then the people who say that, you know, hey, what about these things that are horrible also need to realize that this is a new technology that needs to evolve and it will evolve and it will be better. Um, and you have to listen to the people who on, th on that side who are saying what is possible with this and what benefits it could bring. And so, both sides need to, to work together to lead to a better outcome. If you keep fighting and you, and you, you keep like just trying to piss each other off, it's going to lead to a worse outcome because you're just going to make both sides hate each other more and not care about the other opinion even more. You're actually going to create people that are, are now saying, you know what, screw the environment. I'm all in on this thing. And then on the other side, you're going to say, well, you know what, screw blockchain. Take the whole thing down. I don't care about all the good things that can happen from it. Take it down because it's bad for the environment. And it's like you just create this war when it, you know, if you just have mutual respect for each other and you talk to each other like people, you can actually learn some things and start making improvements. So, that's my big thing here is like both sides need to start listening and stop yelling. <laughs> well, Stan, that was, uh, that was well put and, and if I was going to summarize, it would be let's find a mutual goal that we both agree on and then see the problems on either side of it to get us there. One is there are environmental concerns. The other is artists are trying to make a living and own what they do. Exactly. 
and both, I think, can agree on that, that those are both good things to, to be concerned well, about. There's another concern besides the environment, and that's the elitism of it, is that it takes money. The ones with the most money are the ones who are most able to make money. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, the elitism thing is, I think, connected to... Uh, I saw a post and I think a lot of people are sharing it. It's about how the whole NFT thing for artists is like a pyramid scheme. Mm -hmm. They listed all the things that the SEC says is a sign of a pyramid scheme, right? And there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight things that the SEC says. Yeah, yeah. The characteristics of a pyramid scheme. I'll quickly read them off and I'll go through them one by one because these are the, like, I think, big concerns here. Um, number one, uh, there's no genuine product or service. Uh, number two, promise of high returns in a short amount of time. Number three, easy money, passive income. Four, there's a buy-in required. You have to put in money to make money. Uh, and uh, five or six, wait, one, two. Did I skip? Oh, I think there's seven. Who cares about the numbers? <laughs> there's a buy-in required. And then the, another one is recruitment. Um, so, it's like you're, you're insulted for not being part of it. Um, interestingly, I actually looked up the actual list on SEC. And the tweet that the people put out say that, you know, NFTs check all the boxes, but then they left out two of the things that the SEC listed. Oh. So, I don't know. It doesn't actually check all the boxes. And the, so, I do want to point that out. There are two missing from the tweet and those two are no demonstration of revenue, revenue from retail sales. So, I, it doesn't check that box and complex commission structure and it's, it's not complex at all. Um, so, let's go through the ones that it does check. Because I think they're actually really good, really important concerns. Okay. The first one is no genuine product or service. The counter argument that I've seen to that is like, why isn't digital art a genuine product? Um, and then also like the service that you're getting is a, the transfer of authentic digital ownership. The, the next one was promise of high return in a short amount of time. And absolutely, like, this is one of those warnings that I want to give to artists is that, like, or anybody who's, like, trying to buy crypto currency, right? Currency is not NFTs. Currency is money. It's, it's, it's another form of another way to use the blockchain. Um, and people who are putting money into this to because they're hearing how other people are making a fortune off of it. Um, if you're doing this for the short term, you will probably lose. Mm. It is very volatile. This is not a mature market. When people give investment advice online, people say like, watch out. Like this is, if you're doing for the short term, you better know what you're doing. Mm. Um, you're not going to make a buck. So, the promise of high return in a short amount of time as a, an argument, um, I think it's, it's really only the media that's making that promise. And so, we got to watch out for who we're listening to. It's not like there's some central pyramid of scheme authority that's like promising this stuff. It's more about like the general public is just like seeing people making money and then they come to the conclusion that there's a lot of money I can make and then they don't do the research, they enter and they lose money. Okay, that's a real thing that can happen. You can lose a lot of money. Yeah. It's not a short-term strategy. Okay. You put in $1,000 and Bitcoin the next day 
goes, you know, drops 30% in value, which it does all the time, um, you just lost $300 <laughs> in a day, yeah. right? Um, and so, it's a much better long-term strategy is what people say um, because over time, you know, Bitcoin's like this, but over time, it's consistently growing. Okay. It's very steadily growing. It's just like 30% up, 30% down, 40% up, 30% down, 40% up. You know what I mean? It's like, ugh. Okay, I got you. It's a person who gets ill every other week and then casts manic highs every other week, but they live to be 90. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. There you go. Don't gamble on a two-year-old because their moods change constantly. Gamble on <laughs> someone who's proven themselves responsible. Um, sure. Okay. Yeah. Easy money, passive income. Passive income is the other check of a pyramid scheme. Um, yeah, agreed. There's a lot of like hype around how like Bitcoin is growing so much. Well, not just Bitcoin, literally like all the blockchain coins are growing so much and you can make so much money. And this literally just like happens every four years. Okay. There's a cycle where it's like Bitcoin or Ethereum, all these coins, they just like shoot up a thousand percent in price. And everybody who is not participating in the space for the past four years starts hearing about it because it's like this crazy thing that just happened and all these people made money. And so, they have FOMO, which is fear of missing out, right? And so, they start jumping in and that makes the price go up even higher. And everyone's like, what's going on? Ah! And then all of a sudden, it's way overvalued, right? Because all the hype just like made it go way too high and then it just collapses and then people are pissed because they didn't get their short-term gain um, and then it, people forget about it for four years, yeah. <laughs> right? But the people that are in there for the long term are still there yeah. and it's slowly getting back and then all of a sudden four years later, boom, all oh, again, oh my God, it grew another 1000%. And then people come back into the space and then they get pissed and it's the same cycle. It literally happened like five times already. Um, and or I think it's four, I think four, four cycles. Um, and so, the easy money is just this perception that because you hear about Bitcoin for six months every four years and then you forget that like, well, the, the four years in between was not easy money. It was a slow investment over a long period of time. Um, so that, yes, agreed. The media, the hype gives us this perception that it's like this easy money. Be careful. It's not. Sure. Passive income. Um, there. So this is a big one. So with NFTs, these platforms that allow you to sell NFTs, um, they say that you can do resale. You can get resale royalties back. So every time your art, your digital art sells again after you've sold it, you get a royalty actually from that sale. So let me explain, give you an example. You sell your painting for $1,000 today and then that person sells it 10 years from now when you're bigger, when you're a bigger artist, bigger name for $100,000, right? Because you have a much bigger collector base, your stuff is worth more money. Well, now you're going to get a 10% commission off that $100,000 and you get $10,000 back. And so, you made actually 10 times more than uh, you did in the original sale. And then if that person then sells it for $1,005, it only appreciated a little bit, only $5,000 more. Well, now you still get a 10,000, what, 10,050 or something dollars again. 
And so if it, if it changes hands a bunch of times in a short amount of time, you're actually, you are actually going to make a bunch of money from all those resales. Um, and if you have a lot of artwork floating around like that, potentially you're constantly making resale royalties. So that's kind of the promise that these platforms are making. And one thing that is important to keep in mind is it's right now with the technology, it's only really possible if it resells on that same platform. <laughs> if somebody takes your NFT to a different platform, it's not and, and that resell royalty is not supported by the other platform, you actually don't get anything. <laughs> so, it's a misconception and it's like, yeah, it sucks. Like, like people just don't read into this stuff um, and these, these platforms don't do enough to actually explain that how this works. Um, so, very legitimate concern and artists need to know about it. Um, what I think is going to happen is that as these platforms mature and they start working together, there's going to be standards in the industry and every platform is going to start supporting the same uh, metadata of royalty structures. Okay. So, it's like if you transfer your NFT from one platform to another and there's a resale royalty attached to it, um, the other platform will still honor that resale royalty and do the same thing. So, they're all going to have these standards and, and the platforms that don't follow those standards are going to be known and people are just not going to put their stuff on it. So, right now, one of the concerns is that there's a tendency for this to prey on the ignorant. Kind of. Uh, yeah. And I'm not sure if, um, if they're actually trying to prey on the ignorant or if they're just trying to create standards that will benefit the artist. There's two angles to okay, this. Okay, okay, I got you. Right? Yeah. And I'm sure that some pr platforms probably are trying to prey on the ignorant and, and some are probably just like, well, we want to add resale royalties so artists could, could make more money. Yeah. <laughs> so, there's like a good and a bad side to it and but the point of it is like, well, let's, let's push for standardization of this stuff because when it's standard, then it's not even a problem anymore. Okay. Moving on to the next point. Uh, Buy-in required. Okay, the gas fees. Have you heard of gas fees? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I haven't heard oh, of any gosh. of this. I am. I am <laughs> your kid who doesn't know yeah. and it's, Pop, tell me again about NFTs and blockchain technology. <laughs> <laughs> okay, gas fees. So, this is more literally just with Ethereum pretty much, which is the the main blockchain that nfts are currently sold on um it's congested ethereum does not allow for a lot of transactions every second um and so the more demand there is for running a transaction the more it costs the, the more reward these validators are getting the miners are getting for uh for approving transactions um and so, like if you want to run a transaction through the system, you're just going to have to pay more than the other person that wants to run a transaction, right? Makes sense? Kind of? Okay. It's just, it's just kind of a, a weak point in the technology. It's like nobody's trying to prey on anybody. It's just that like when the technology is limited by how many transactions it can run, yeah. well, now there's too much demand and very little supply and that's just like basic economics right? Prices just skyrocket and it, in order to just like publish an NFT, 
it costs you 50 bucks just to publish it, not even to sell it, just you publish it. And then when someone wants to buy it from you, well, now they have to pay a gas fee as well, another 50 bucks or whatever it Why is. Why is it called a and, gas fee? Uh, because in order to like drive from one place to another, you have to pay gas. I see. So, in order to move this NFT from one wallet to another wallet, that movement requires some gas. Okay. And those, the gas fee depends, one, on the gas price, which is determined by like supply and demand. And two, how far you're going, kind of, like that's the analogy, is like if you have to go farther, you need more gas. And so, the complexity of the smart contract re might require more gas. And so, NFTs have a smart contract in them. And the more complex that smart contract is, the more gas you're going to need to get to it. And right now, the biggest problem isn't that these smart contracts are too complicated, it's just that the, the gas price is really high because there's just congestion in the system. Okay. The, yeah, the like buy-in required, yes, but it's only on Ethereum. Like these newer blockchains, um, like Solana, which I'm invested in, I've invested my money into it. Um, Solana allows for currently 50,000 transactions per second. This means it's cleaner? No, that specifically doesn't mean it's cleaner, but it is a lot cleaner. Okay. It, it is a lot cleaner because of other things, but okay. no, the, the speed actually does, I don't think is related. Um, all it really means is that there's no congestion in the system. <laughs> so, there's no gas fees. Like with Solana, I think it's something like, 0.00001 penny per transaction. Mm -hmm. So, if you want to publish an NFT, you're literally paying like nothing. So, there is no gas fee. So, like this whole gas fee thing, it's, it's an Ethereum problem. I see. I think the solution for this, like the thing people need to focus on together as artists because artists don't want to pay $50 to post their NFTs and for the environmentalists who want to, you know, help the environment, they need to focus on cleaner, more efficient blockchains and push these platforms to support them and, and, and not just rely purely on Ethereum, which is an, the oldest smart contract blockchain. Uh, the last one was recruitment insults. You're insulted for not being part of it. I think the, the counter argument is that the insults are coming from both sides. Like, it's just hostility on, on both ends. Like, it's kind of a and an interesting point to make here that's like I was insulted for not being part of the community but like but you you just insulted the community for even existing yeah. so of course they're going to insult you back right um so both sides here are just being very immature <laughs> stop insulting each other yeah so that's the whole pyramid scheme uh response yeah that that's the response is that like all a lot of these concerns are real and um, a lot of the counter arguments to them are also real and there needs to be progress that needs to be made and let, let's do that. <laughs> let's make that progress. I want to see if I've got my head around the takeaway that's important. And the first thing I'm getting out of this is that it's more complex than I had any idea. And one way it's complex is that there's different parts to it. There is blockchain technology and there are multiple kinds, some more destructive, some less destructive. 
and that there are NFTs which are trying to solve a problem, but right now what people are seeing is that they create problems mm -hmm. or at least the blockchain technology that they do. They're trying to solve the problem of ownership of what I do digitally, but they're creating other problems like elitism and environmental destruction. And so, to look into this, which is a melee of complexity, it could help to pull the parts apart and say, here's the culprit, here's where the problem is, here's where several things that relate together create a problem that we would not have known from any one of them individually. The main thing I'm getting out of this, Stan, is that this is mm -hmm. much more complicated than I knew and that I don't yet have a grasp. Right now, I feel like when you have an older sibling who really wants to get involved in something, playing football, football is great. You get a chance to exert energy. It's good exercise. It's rough and tumble. I'm young. My body wants to go into conflict, but look at the knee injuries and the head injuries and everything else. And there just came a point where I thought, I don't want to play football. Uh, it's just there's too much risk with it. But I didn't, I didn't uh, doubt the excitement of it. So, right now, I feel so uh, alienated by the complexity of what's going on with this that I want to wait and see what comes of it. But while waiting, it means that I'm not really contributing anything to whether this needs to be championed, destroyed, or worked with to be adjusted into something that's better. Yeah. Okay, so the the smart contract idea is is it's a non-controversy if there's no damage to the environment or so little to not care. Yeah. And there's uh there's across the board access to it like there is to using the internet yeah. that is not just for the elite. Yeah. Are those the two those are the two big issues that are blocking this? Yes. The the, uh, the third one is that there's like it costs money to get in to like pay to play sort of thing, which is like the gas fees. Which is elitism. You still have to, if you're going to have the internet, you still have to have a computer. You still have to buy, uh, there, there, there's right. a way in, but it's, it's much more leveled out that only the elite get to do these things. And already there are solutions and blockchains that are saying that you could you could mint an NFT for pretty much no no cost. Um, there is no elitism. You know, it, it doesn't. You, you don't have to pay to play. Once it's easy to do that for artists, mm -hmm. I don't see what anyone anyone will complain about. Yeah. So yeah, the environment, the elitism, and the pay to play, yeah, and that's part of the elitism. So I yeah. Now I understand. Now if those were not issues. Then we'd say, yeah. well, then why would I even be a so what? I wasn't going to damage the environment one way and I'm not going to damage the environment this way and anybody can get involved with this. I want to get involved in it. Yeah. It seems like it's to say, here's what I created digitally and there is no question that I own it. It gives it an extra value so that people want to collect it and uh, and also it makes, it makes collecting simpler and easier, I assume, than having to go through the courts. Yes, exactly. So, the, yeah, the simpler and easier uh, is a very good point there um, because if you want to sell your baseball card, 
Like first, you 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 need to somehow prove to the to your buyer that the one you have is not a fake. Mm -hmm. So you need to get it like inspected by some house that inspects and and approves cards and you know says, "Yep, this is real." And then then you go on eBay or whatever and you sell it, and then you usually give a pretty big royalty. Um, and then you have to ship it and you have to probably ensure that shipment if it's a really valuable card. Um, and, and all of this like, like takes a lot of time and effort and a lot of cost. So, it's like, well, in a way, is, is that elitism? In order to sell, to sell a real thing, you have to do all of this stuff? <laughs> uh, and it, you, some people would define it as such and other people wouldn't. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. Right, but yeah, exactly. It, Just like what is currently happening with NFTs. Some people will define it as elitism, elitism and some people are just defining it as like uh, responsibility, economics, responsibility and, you know, technical challenges. Like one, one reason some people can't get in is like they don't understand the technology and how it works. And so, so it's like you don't know how to do it. So, one argument uh, about this whole elitism thing is that like the platforms are, a lot of these platforms are curating. Right, they only select which artists they want to accept into their platforms. Right, so that that that's elitism, right? Like, yo, no, you're not allowed in. Yeah. You can't participate. But it's not that the blockchain itself is cl behind closed doors and you can't participate. It's that you can't participate in this platform that simplifies the process of making an NFT. It's a curated site that it's kind of like a gallery. Really, it, all it is is a gallery that connects you to the buyers. And so it's like it's 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 kind of the same thing as saying I can't get into that gallery in in New York. It's elitism, um, but because they're curating and they won't let me sell to these customers that are buying from that gallery. Um, but you could, but they do, people don't say that, right? I don't think they say it because you could still sell your physical art to whoever, right? You don't need to to be part of the gallery to sell paintings. You could find your own collectors and you could use social media and you could grow a following and sell directly to them. So, it's not like it's closed. It's not like art sales are closed off just because this one gallery wants to only have 10 artists in their collection. Uh -huh. So, the same thing applies to the platforms. Um, all they do is they provide a service and which makes it easy to mint your NFT to the blockchain. You could still mint your NFT to the blockchain without the platform. You could do it on your own. If you knew how. But you, the problem is, if you knew how to code, yeah. right? It's all code. You just like, you just like send this thing to the network. But like, you have to learn something to do that. You have to understand how it works. So, you know, just like you would have to do something to sell your art to a collector on your own. You have to grow a following that takes a lot of time and you have to figure out how to market your stuff. Like, like it's not free money. Like, it's not a thing that you're guaranteed like success with. You have to work. You have to understand how things work in order to, to, to drive and to make sales, <laughs> to find collectors and to publish your thing in this new technology. But if you don't want to learn and you want to be part of the platform that does it for you well now you have to follow their rules does that make sense it does make <laughs> sense but you're also curing me of any interest in pursuing nfts because i feel like it opens 
a world of complexity, of need to understand, of I don't really want to start a restaurant because I know some people who started restaurants and I know how much work there is involved in it. And yeah, some of them do Good. really well with it, but it's not for me. Good, Marshall. I'm glad. I'm glad because now anybody that wants to go in it for an easy buck hears this and says, oh, I don't want to put in the work. And now they're not going to waste their time mm -hmm. to make an easy buck. Good. Things in life take effort. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. <laughs> don't I, I do this if all you're doing is trying to make some money very short term. Mm -hmm. This is a real thing. You're not going to start a restaurant because it's an easy buck. Uh -huh. okay. <laughs> it's really hard. It is really it's hard. It's very, very difficult. You're not going to become an artist because it's a way to make an easy buck. I should have used that as an example instead is that I want to be an artist so that I can make a lot of money just for drawing a few pictures. Yeah, this doesn't change anything. Yeah. You, to do this long term, like once the mark, this crazy hype settles down, yeah. the, the technology will still exist and then in order to really be successful on it, you're still going to have to be a good artist that people want to buy their work. Like it doesn't change anything. All it does is just slightly improve the means of, of transacting in the art. <laughs> but I got the impression that it would greatly improve the means of- It could greatly. Yeah. It could. Okay. I'm seeking an analogy to help my kid mind. For smart contracts or for blockchain? For blockchain. And here's the best I can do. And I know that this analogy is not going to fit in some ways. But you've got engines and some engines are run on really dirty fuel. Some of them on cleaner fuel, some of them on sunlight, mm -hmm. and you're looking for the things that will do the least amount of damage to the environment uh, and also yield a product. And that's how, that's why NFTs can be something that is fueled by or put into any one of varying blockchain technologies. Yes, the ones that support smart contracts. Okay, okay, okay. Well, th this helps Bitcoin enough. As from what I know, it does not actually support smart contracts. There's a whole spectrum of good and bad ways to do this is what I think I'm getting. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, Bitcoin because it's so dirty, because it, it re requires so much electricity, mm -hmm. um, typically it's considered not to be something that you're going to run a lot of transactions on. Okay. Um, in fact, it's, it only supports like nine transactions per second or something like that. It's, it's like a ridiculously low amount. Mm -hmm. Like imagine if we were trying to process, you know, buy coffees with Bitcoin. Like it would only support nine people per second to buy a coffee. Oh, what a <laughs> like, rough that's world not, that It's would not be. plausible. Yeah. That would yeah. suck. Yeah. <laughs> so it's very slow. Okay. It's not Bitcoin is not meant to be that. And so people think of it as like gold, where people will just kind of store their value and not transact very often with it. Um, but because of it is actually, I think people think of it as something that's a lot more secure because of the way it works. Let me give you a different analogy. So the internet is the blockchain. Okay. And an NFT is a post on a social network. Okay. Right? It's like, it, it's just one small thing you can do on the internet. Okay. The internet is uh, something that allows much more than just posting on a social network, as you know. <laughs> but there's this one thing that you can do. But there's that one thing and that one thing is actually really cool and very powerful, right? You can post to a social network, like that alone 
has now allows you to do so much. Yeah. You can communicate, you could sell, you can market. You, I mean, it, it, a post is a very simple part of the internet, but it's, it's not lame. It's no, changed it's, the world. Yes, exactly. For good and for bad. <laughs> you can say that posting on social networks has done some real damage to our society, our culture. Yeah. So, and it also has greatly improved it in other ways. Yeah. Every new technology comes with bad and good. And hopefully, you know, this is a very big conversation is that hopefully technology leads us to better uh, quality of life rather than worse. Um, you know, you can ask like, how, you know, do you want to be riding a horse right now or would you rather ride your car? Um, and it's like, yeah, we, we went through a hundred years or so of really dirty cars, but now it, hopefully it's going to evolve to be cleaner energy and, it, <laughs> you know, we'll see how long it takes us there. But technology goes through some bad times and then in the end we solve those things and quality of life is better. <laughs> and, you know, now we, instead of 50 million people dying from a pandemic, it's how many? How many has it been? Two million? Something? What is it? I, I don't know. I don't know the latest number. numbers. Yeah. So technology improves generally, I believe, quality of life. But there are bad things, and they need to be talked about, and they need to be solved and worked on all the time. So, okay. Stan, where do we go from here? With new technology, there's good stuff and there's bad stuff, right? Yeah. And. We should try to decrease the bad stuff and increase the good stuff. Well, great attitude. <laughs> um, and I think that opting out um, is an option for some people that are scared. They don't know. They don't feel comfortable with technology. Opt out. Um, don't go in and, and get hurt with it. Um, but opting out because you're against the 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 technology itself i feel is not the best strategy to make a, a change why you're gonna end up being the grumpy old dude that is was left out that didn't participate and knows nothing about it and um you know as this technology evolves and 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 everybody who participated grows with it you who opted out because you didn't agree with it are now left out and you're, you're old and grumpy and have no power to change anything. If you go in and you learn as much as possible about it and you participate in the creation of it, you have a much bigger impact on where it goes. It's like opting out of voting that if you opt out of voting, you <laughs> exactly. have no right to complain about what has happened. Exactly. If you opt out, you, you have no right to complain. So, go in there, learn as much as possible how it works and what are real things we can do to improve this thing? Right now, you, you could say you can go to the platforms and you can push them to start supporting more efficient blockchains that don't have these gas, ridiculous gas fees for, for artists and that are not as, this bad for the environment. Um, you know, do your research, figure, figure out what is, what are these new blockchains that allow you to post NFTs for uh, 0 0.00001 penny um, and that can scale to run the entire internet that could do more transactions per second than Visa can um, in a cleaner way that, than Visa does. Um, 
you know, like do this research and push push this change because it does need to happen. If you opt out and you say I'm out, well, then the people that don't care about these problems are the one making the decisions. Like what does that do? <laughs> so, there's a proactive way to be involved which is yes. to make the investment and support those who improve the system. Yes. Because here, look, look listen, like these platforms right now, they're, they're the ones kind of in power to, to, to give, allow people to post NFTs. Who are they going to listen to? Their customers, the people who are on their platform, not the people who are yelling to get rid of the platform. They're not going to listen to those people. They're not their customers. They're going to listen to the people that support them. Okay, that makes sense. You've got to be a, a participant in this country to vote in the elections. You've got to, the, the ones that are going to make a difference are the ones who are involved. I think, I think I get, get that. I mean, I, I want to opt out because I just don't know enough. Yeah, and that's totally fine. I've never played the lottery and I'm just not the type to get involved not a in a pyramid <laughs> scheme uh, because the, the, the on, promise of quick, uh, of quick riches just does not grab me like it uh, grabs some people. But that's not opting out. Yeah. It's, it's opting out partly because I just don't know enough to know what to think. That's why I'm, I'm listening to you. So, one thing we were talking about is how like ownership is a thing for people that want to feel like they own that one scarce thing, right? And they feel special. Mm -hmm. But for most people, it's more actually about the utility of most things they buy, right? How do you mean? You want to actually do something with it. Yes. I'll, I'll give you several examples. Shoes. <laughs> you want to wear shoes because they actually serve a utility. They have a purpose. They keep your feet warm. They keep your feet clean. They keep your, your bones healthy while you're running or whatever it is, right? Uh, they keep your skin from getting scratched up while you walk. They, they have a purpose. Um, and so, we pay, you know, anything from 20 to $150 for a pair of shoes simply for the utility of them. Okay. Depends on what you really want from those shoes. Anything beyond that is you're no longer paying for the utility. Like, if you pay $500 for shoes, now you're paying for like the brand, right? It's more for just like, I want bragging rights that I own this like specific shoe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, the other example with other than shoes, let's say with artists, is like prints. It's not the original piece of art, but it's a print of it. It's a copy and th that does serve a utility for most people that buy it. Like, you know, you, you do hang it on your wall and you do like to look at it. It gives you pleasure just by seeing it. It decorates your house, whatever it is. And you could do that for just like, you know, a, a $20 print. Um, most people would do that. They'd buy prints to hang on their wall, right? It, ha it does serve a purpose. Uh, it's not about the ownership in that case, right? Because you don't own the original. You just have this thing that decorates your wall. That's a, there's a function to it. How that applies to NFTs is that there actually will be a utility or, or could be a utility in NFTs. This is kind of exciting. I, I always like to look to the future and it kind of it excites me. Um, have you, do you know what the metaverse is? No. What is the metaverse? Um, have you seen the movie or read the book Ready Player One? I know of the book and the movie and have a friend who helped <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> help storyboard yeah. it. But uh, no, I don't know the, the enough of the story. So help me. Okay. So the metaverse is basically kind of like a digital world that, you know, in Ready Player One, there's like dystopian future where most people live actually in like a VR world, not in the real world. Um, because the real world is so messed up. Like, it, it, hopefully we don't get to a dystopian future, but like the metaverse is something people are working on, really excited about. It's it's like a, a a world you can enter and there's real things happening in there. You could you you trade real things, NFTs, you have a player that can die and and communicate and and own things like land and build structures and and do things you know have a museum where you show your art um it's like a real world but it's digital so you can be rich or poor or privileged or not privileged in this virtual world yeah it's it's like the same world it is real even though it's virtual you really do have those privileges in that world or not Yes, and the only reason it's real is because the people who participate in it all agree that it's real. They take um, it seriously. Yeah, so if you don't participate in it because you think it's not real, well, to you it's not real. Just like you could say that our real world is not real and say, I don't want to participate anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's the reason that ownership and law and geographical boundaries, which aren't real, are real exactly. because they're yeah it's it's the rules that we live by yeah exactly and so th this metaverse is basically just a digital world um and so now comes this idea of uh in-game assets and this could be applied to the metaverse or just any video game actually this already happens you in video games you can buy assets you could you could buy a weapon you could buy a vehicle whatever it is, and, and you own that now in this game, right? Have you ever heard of that concept? Yes, I have heard of that concept, yeah. Right, right. so um, with NFTs, you have real ownership over these assets. Let's say you buy an NFT Nike shoe and Nike presents you with the real pair of shoes and also the digital version of it. And there's a 3D model of it. And now you can bring it into this game and put it on your character. And now your character owns this rare digital asset. And people in the game see it, they scan it and be like, oh, whoa, that's the real one. Uh -huh. You own the $100,000 Nikes that, that, you know, Michael Jordan used to own yeah. <laughs> in this game. You know, it's this, it's this world where it's like, hey, this one character did this thing with this NFT and they defeated something. They set a new world record with this this pair of shoes on, and then they sold it. And now you bought it. And now you own those pair of shoes that this person did made set this world record in. And that those pair of shoes, even though they're digital, have value because they were sold to you by this other person that did this thing with that specific NFT that has a specific ID. So it's real. Like this is value that the people in this metaverse game agree, metaverse or even just a single game agree on that. Like these items have value. That's what a metaverse is. It's a world beyond this universe that you can enter and that you take serious. That people take seriously. So there really are benefits. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Pretty much. That's the that's. But it's all, and that's also the the concept of in-game items, which when you apply that with the blockchain, and now you could 
you can own one thing in one game and you could now carry it over to a different game. It's not an asset that's owned by the video game company. It's an asset that's owned by you, the person that bought it because it's not recorded on the server of that video game. It's recorded in the blockchain which is owned by nobody. And so you, any video game that connects to the blockchain and interacts with it now allows you to bring in your own NFTs to these video games and you have real items that you really own in this video game. You get to bring in your valuable show horses to the different arenas because you own them. Exactly. This applies to things other than shoes and show horses and artwork. Yeah. This applies to songs and performances and anything that can be packaged and called an intellectual property. Tickets to something, tickets to an event. Oh, wow. Your DNA. Your DNA. What if you sell your DNA sequence? And people have been selling their DNA sequences, right? Have, have they? Oh. I think they have. I think that when you, when, you, when you sign the contract for ancestry and those kind of things, I'm, I'm told that you are signing a contract that is giving up the rights to your or sharing the rights. I'm not sure how it works, but if that's the case. (laughs) Yeah, interesting. So, I don't know. I mean, these are just like crazy ideas like what, okay, what if I sell my DNA and now it's like you pretty much, somebody else pretty much owns me, my structure. It's like my structure is going to be worth less than Barack Obama's right? Like somebody would pay a lot more for his DNA. The reason I brought it up is just like there's literally like an infinite amount of use cases for this. It's what you, you know, it's what you can come up with. Yeah. When the iPhone came out, everybody was saying, wow, all sorts of things will come out of this. But nobody knew there'd be millions of apps to solve all sorts of problems with a smartphone. And the fact that it's it's sensitive to gravity, well, how can we use that? And, and, and so on. So, it's, it's unpredictable where this will go. Yeah. I've got another question. Is there any chance that this will go away, that it's defeatable? If people say, we don't want it, will it be? Is it, can it go away? Can it disappear or is it inevitable? So, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not an expert in that specifically. There, there's a lot of like political stuff with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not an expert in that, but like what I can tell you what I've heard so far is that because it's so decentralized mm-hmm. um, and it's spread out throughout a lot of the world, mm-hmm. it is going to be very difficult to make it go away. So, it's like once nuclear technology is understood, once fission can be done, it's going to be done. It's just it, if you can make laws against it, yeah. but it is not going to mean that nobody's going to use anything, do anything nuclear from now on because we decided against it. So, it's there is a way in which it is the cat is out of the bag. Uh, Pandora's box has been opened. Now, what do we do from here? Yeah, the, the biggest threat right now to it is countries just making like cryptocurrency illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think China already did, if I understand correctly. But like, it didn't go away just because China did it, you know. And if the United States makes it illegal, it's still not gone. Like, there's still a huge part of the world that's still going to be like, "Well, we like it." Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I, I I think that the the countries that 
make it illegal will eventually probably make it legal again. And then they're just going to miss out on a huge uh, technological advancement. And they're not going to be the big players in the game. And I, I think the United States understands that. Um, so far from what I've heard people saying who are in power, um, who have a lot, you know, a lot of power to make these changes and, and to convince politicians, they're saying that the U.S. needs to try to be the leader in the space instead of trying to like outlaw and, and, and bring it down. And, and I like... I don't see any sign of the United States outlawing it. Um, like, it's going to be very difficult. Like, there's so many big institutions now coming in and uh, in, into cryptocurrency specifically. I, like, what happens if the United States all of a sudden outlaws and there's already trillions of dollars in it? Like, what, what does that mean? And it's legitimate money that's in it as well. It's legitimate money that we're already paying taxes for. Hmm. Like... You know, like anybody that owns crypto is paying taxes for that crypto. So, it's like if the government is collecting taxes on it and then they say, oh, no, no, this is illegal. Like, are they going to return all that tax money? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, it's going to be, it's very difficult. It's already intertwined. It's so intertwined into the financial systems mm -hmm. that like it's going to be so difficult to outlaw it. I just, I personally don't see it happening, but I'm not an expert. So okay. And I'm not only am I not an expert. This is so far. But I'm also not interested. It's, it's so far <laughs> over my head. But it does, it yeah. does prompt questions because as soon as you say, I don't see the US outlawing it, then my mind goes in two ways. It goes to the benefit of that is that they can embrace the technology and make it better. The, the, the bad thing about it is that the money involved in saying, no, we don't want to outlaw this, we want to exploit it is so often money that does not have the better interest of people at heart so much as they have their claim at heart. So, I'm, I am aware that any direction you go, there will be monsters there and that the warnings are not just to scare you away, although some of them are. Let's scare them away from going there so that we'll go in and, and take that land. And also, there will be opportunities that will make things better. I just don't, I can't sort through all this and, and understand yeah, Marshall, it. Th this, this topic is something that you, you really cannot grasp in an hour or two. It is something that you slowly study over time and eventually you kind of pick up on it. I mean, it's a, it's a, this is a technology that is all, like already like there's several billion dollar companies running, you know, working on this mm -hmm. stuff or, or who, who are billionaire dollar companies because of the technology. Yeah. It's a very complicated thing um, and it's kind of like trying to learn how the internet works in an yeah. hour or two. You're, you're not going to do it. It's, <laughs> it's difficult. How does this relate to me or any of our listeners who are not that entrepreneurial or business oriented or understanding political structures and, and technological structures. Because <laughs> this could take, this is an art form in itself to understand it. And if I were a science fiction writer and I was really interested in this, this would, you are an optimist. I don't know if you're an incurable optimist, but you're certainly an optimist because when you see new technology, you say, wow, hey, wow, hey, yeah, yeah, wow, hey. And uh, mo many a science fiction writer can see that, but they can also see 
what horrible things would go with this. And they spend a good deal of their energy balancing between the dystopian and utopian vision of where this can go yeah. and, and contriving it for uh, – they're spinning a yarn like the prophets of where the world is yeah. going now that this change has happened. Uh, so, but I'm not a science fiction writer. And so, I, I have to ask, what is – are there practical uh, steps to this for those of us who are yeah. hearing about it and wondering how does it affect me? So, your question was, how does this affect me, someone who doesn't care about technology and politics and, and politics and, and money and, and business and, and, and business abstract <laughs> systems that fit together. <laughs> so you're essentially asking me, how do these running shoes uh, affect me, someone who has arthritis and has no n no interest in exercising, um, and actually doesn't even have legs? Whoa! Um, how do these how shoes relate to them? a person? <laughs> Who, who like, lives their life like, barefoot. Come on. Well, no, no, actually I do. I do care about making a living and I am still working to make a living. So, that's what attracted to me to this is that this could be a way that instead of always working, that passive income can be part of it to work and then to have something pay me money and that not that I, I do it and then people just steal it and you never get the money from it. Is, is yeah. there a way that this actually makes a difference? to artists and, and people who own if, if IPs. That's, if that's your only reason, mm -hmm. the resale royalties idea, uh, if that's literally the only reason that you're interested in this, um, I would say it's not, it's probably not worth your effort. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, then I, I'm, I'm going to watch and see what happens. This may not be relevant, yeah. but let me tell you what 10 years ago when vape cigarettes came in. Uh, one guy I was working with was smoking vapes and I, did, I didn't know it was an electronic cigarette. Wow! It, the, the, the steam that comes out of it is not nearly as cool looking as smoke. The only thing that was the negative about it is that it is, it's giving into the nicotine addiction, which I'm told is not as bad for, not nearly as bad for you, is the tars and all the carcinogens. So, I thought that's great. Huh. That means that you've got pretty harmless cigarettes. And then people said, no, these things ruin you. Here's what I thought. You go into a steam room for a half an hour at a time, five days a week, do it for years, doesn't seem to do any harm. How is it that steam is going to harm your legs? And then I thought, hey, there's another thing. There are companies who manufacture tobacco that have gazillions of dollars that would not want this to encroach on their territory. They're spinning lies against it. And, yeah, and that's, that's what I was thinking. So, I think in vape, man, I might take up smoking. And then <laughs> in a few years, we started to find out that there were too many studies and too much consensus among people I trusted who said vapes do a lot of damage to human lungs. And that was yeah. – but it took time to know that. And I wasn't involved uh -huh. and I wasn't vaping or smoking. I was just watching it and thinking it may be that this was a solution and in one way it was and in another way it wasn't. So, I don't know and I've <sighs> got to reserve judgment until there's 
More data. This whole this is a really bad analogy. The, the vaping thing. Uh, well, yeah, I know. That's why I. I, mean, I, I, I mean, know tr- it's a bad analogy, can, but it was the only thing I could grip. It's a really. It doesn't actually make any sense at all. I don't like try to try to make an analogy between vaping and the internet. Put yourself back okay. in the nineties and make that okay. analogy. Uh, yeah. Well. <laughs> We we might you, be. Tr- you can't. It's such a stupid. We analogy, might be trying Marshall. to get more out of the analogy than I intended. The thing I'm intending here is that as yeah. soon as I hear about NFTs, they're going to make it so that you can make a living as a teacher and people won't steal your stuff. Great. And as an artist, really? Yeah, I'm in. And then in a matter of a week and a half, if you get involved in NFTs, you are contributing to the destruction of this planet. Whoa. Which way do I go? And it's like, why don't you just stop right here and let other right. people figure this out? Because yeah. I can't figure yeah, out other whether people vapes out. Are, are damaging or beneficial. <laughs> they are damaging. Are vapes are bad. It's horrible analogy. Stop it. Vapes are <laughs> okay. bad for you. We know it now. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of people knew it from the very beginning. <laughs> I mean, I was warning my friends. From the very beginning, I was like, do you really know what's in it? Yeah, yeah. Still, I, <laughs> when I'm really in the mood, a nice hot cup of something that's steaming and to go, oh, it just seemed like the, you know, the concentrated version of that. Sorry. Cool. It was a lousy analogy, but I did uh, my best. Yeah. It's a very shallow, I think, sure. analogy. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a focus on like this tiny, tiny piece. Yeah. Well, no, it isn't is a tiny, unfair. tiny piece. It's the great big division of will this lead us to a better world or a ruined world? Uh, I mean, that's how I'm uh. understanding that it's being framed. And again, oh, I don't, well, I don't know. I mean, we've got the same well, issues with almost everything. Kind of, but like with vaping, there was the, it's this company that's trying to make money. With the blockchain, there is no company trying to make money from you to be involved in the blockchain. Well, that's where more knowledge of the political environment of it, who is against it and who is for it. The people who are going to be for it are often the people who are going to profit from it. The people who are going to be against it are going to be people who their profits will be damaged. And so, the battle becomes not ideological. The battle becomes simply territory for I want more control, money and a stake in this. And being yeah. able to sort through, are the tobacco companies maligning vapes because it's going to hurt their business or is there really a danger? You just don't know when you're on the innocent side of it. Yeah. As one of my friends told me this week, he said it used to be that you had 15 minutes of fame in your life. Now, you get 15 minutes of innocence before you have to take a side on something. Otherwise, the other side will kill yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the problem, isn't it? That like literally everything we're doing is bad. Well, yeah, not not everything, but almost everything. You're right. Everything has some- Pretty much. Yeah, every food you eat, the more they study it, they're going to say it's good for you, it's good for you because here we know it isn't good for yeah. you and that just the more There's knowledge we have, everything is killing us and killing other yeah. people. So, I, I just don't know what the answers are to that. I don't want to become Amish, but I'd kind of like to have access to my computer and access yes. to the things that I love and that, uh, I find a convenience in, but also have a bit of a longing for yeah. for something that does not get on this treadmill where you have got to constantly 
contribute by purchasing stuff that damages the environment, constantly on a treadmill of upgrading and upgrading and upgrading. There is something about it that I feel like. Yeah, there, there's obvious bad things for us about any kind, you know, all these technologies. But it's like, you, you can't, I don't see how you could possibly live on either extreme. Because if, like, if you choose to be like the Amish and le- reject technology, um, and you, you, well, not not even the Amish. Let's just go to the ex- even more extreme and just say no technology. Stop, yeah. stop progress yeah. in technology. You're basically saying, okay, no more medicine, because you know, I mean, medicine is improving a lot because of all this digital stuff. That's right. You know, AI right now is solving a lot of a lot of really difficult problems in medicine Mm -hmm. that humans have a really hard time solving. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, that's not possible without like the internet and without running these giant servers somewhere to process this information. The the, the thing is like, if you choose to to say no more technology, there's still gonna be the majority of the world that says, well, I'm gonna use technology. And what are you going to do about that? Like, you're still going to be people destroying the environment. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't see a way out no, I, I of don't technology. I, I don't either. And polarizing it to the two extremes of zero, no technology or always on the cutting edge is helpful to see the most extreme black and white divisions that and, and say, what what's the advantage or disadvantage of each? But of course, yeah. somewhere in the middle, leaning one way, somewhere, you know, this way when it comes to computers this way when it comes to the clothes I wear, uh, this way for how I order products, whether I order them locally, this way not. Yeah. Uh, some people that I've known that are are introduced me to the term permaculture have caught my attention because it seems like they are seeking together. How do we do better? But you know that this conversation inevitably goes up the abstraction ladder to political systems. Yes. It can't keep from it because that's the difference between capitalism, socialism, communism, where the laws, who makes the laws, all of that stuff. It's yeah. always going to, to be a complex mesh. Well, I feel adequately confused to watch <laughs> you and other people in my life and see yeah. where it goes and yeah. and render whatever opinion I have on it. I hope I haven't given any opinions during this because I really don't know what to think of it. But I do. The only understand. opinions you gave is that it's too complicated to be involved. Too complicated for me to be involved. But well, that's an opinion of right, your opinion. Yeah, yes. And, but I do know of some people whom I just I think that their brains work well enough, and that I trust them ethically <laughs> enough to where they would be ones that I'd listen to. I've yeah. I've listened to you for a while here, and I am interested in it because when this came up, you like you mentioned, you've spent years looking at this, and I haven't, and I'm not likely to look at it closely for years because I've got other jobs. But uh, where this goes, how, what do we do for the audience? What do we do for the draftsman listeners for what we care about from them? Is that what kind of what kind of execution would you recommend for people? who oppose or embrace NFTs or should we find something more balanced? Um, for the people that oppose it, I would say, uh, like I said before, um, try to be proactive about it. Try to jump into the belly of the beast I, and actually make a change. I got, I got Go a ahead. good question for people who oppose it. 
uh, yeah. what would need to be different to where you'd embrace it? And mm -hmm. limit it to three things if you can. Yes, that's good. Uh, that, that way you know that we're not playing a game of just fighting, that we're saying, if this, this, and this, then not only will I, I will either not oppose it or I will embrace it. And the people who are uh, running with it and in favor of it and saying, I'm going to be ordering my life around there, what questions do we have for them? Yeah, no, no, that's a, that's a good place to start. What needs to change? Identify first what, what really needs to change. Like, I think it's very difficult. It's going to be very difficult to just destroy it completely, okay? I mean, some people, like, if you really still want to destroy it completely, go ahead, keep trying. Now, what I'm going to say is not for you. Um, so, for those people that want to actually make a change that's possible, identify what needs to change and, and start trying to drive that change and prioritize your actions too. Like, you can attack individual artists on Instagram who are selling NFTs, but that's a waste of your time, I think. Um, the bigger issue, the, the, the better use of your time is to go to the larger institutions that have control to actually make a difference. Um, like if you, if you say, if you attack every artist that mints an NFT and then every artist stops making NFTs, you know what's going to happen? Blockchain still exists. It still uses the same amount of energy. So, you only you know hurt why? the artists. You're just hurting the art community. That's literally all you're doing is you're hurting the artists from being able to use the technology. But the currency part of it still exists. The trillions of dollars of trading still exists. And so, who is able to benefit from this? The investors, the people with the money. So, if you're attacking the artists and you're saying, get out, like, what's the point of this? That's not going to help. Yeah. You're wasting your time. Go to the, the people with the power to actually improve the technology to make it more efficient because the artists have no say in that. They can't make that change. So, stop hurting their ability to make a living. That's, that's my say in it. Like, okay. I, like, I'm all for, I'm all for what the, the like, what everyone's saying about it not hurting the environment. I completely agree with yeah. that. And I will also align myself with that cause and do things to make it better and push the technology to stop hurting the environment. Okay, this helps me to understand why I was having a hard time finding a question for people who are excited about NFTs is that a person's motivation to invest in them is not what can I do this week to help the environment? I know I'll invest in NFTs. That's not their mo motivation. <laughs> it's it's no. that it is a uh, it is to benefit myself. So the question for the person who's pursuing this would be: What three common concerns from your critics can you take seriously and move in the direction of not? contributing to the things that will make things worse. It would be to listen to your critics. How can you listen to your critics yes. and adjust uh, your actions? Uh, that's where I'd start anyway. Those may not be the best questions. I, I do like the one yeah. for the critics, which is let's boil it down to the things that would no longer be obstacles 
since it's mm -hmm. going to move forward and anyway. And prioritize your actions to get to those goals as well. And prioritize your and actions is don't attack artists. Don't hurt individuals. Don't hurt individuals. Try to target the the root cause of all of this stuff. Okay, so that's for the critics. That's for the critics. Um, now for the people that support it, I would say listen to the critics because they are they have legitimate concerns and the faster we can get to the point where there's less to criticize, the faster that the community is going to grow. So, it's, it's, it's not very uh, a, a very good use of your time, people who like the big blockchain technology. It's not a very good use of your time to just attack the critics and say they're wrong and that they're stupid. It's a better use of your time to listen to them and start trying to make it go into that direction. If blockchains are inevitable and they've been around and they're here and they're not going away, you could liken them to sunlight in that you can say sunlight is the best thing in the world. It's the thing that all life comes from. You can also say sunlight destroys you. It gives you skin cancer, you get caught in the desert yeah. for an afternoon, it's going to kill you. And, yeah. and so, at some point rather than angelizing or demonizing sunlight, it would be better to understand it and why it's dangerous and how it could exactly. be used for good. But yeah. that might be too big an analogy but at least it's helping me to understand that this is not something that is inherently malicious or even beneficial. It's not, yeah. It's something that is a tool that is a really pervasive, big, inevitable tool that what are we going to do with it? Exactly. No, that, that's actually I think a really good analogy is it's, it's, it's not something that's good or bad. It could be both and there's because it's like decentralized, there's a lot of personal responsibility here okay. um, that needs to take place. There's no central authority protecting you from your own uh, carelessness, <laughs> your own uh, naiveness, Na naivety, naivetality. Naivety, yeah. Naivety. Naiveness is okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the thing is like if you carry cash and you lose that cash, you're, you know, there's no bank that's going to be like, oh, okay, here you go. Here, you can have it back, right? You lost your cash. Yeah. It's the same thing with blockchain. There's no bank that's holding it for you. If you lose your wallet address in the blockchain, you don't have access to it. You just lost all your money. <laughs> well, thank you, Stan, for taking the time to help your I, – a six-year-old wouldn't have understood any of this. Eleven-year-old maybe. I, I was a 16-year-old during this and uh, – now you're a 17. Now, right? yeah. Now I'm a little smarter. Who doesn't about want it. to? Who doesn't want to become an adult? Uh, <laughs> enough to say, I'll stick around for another year and watch whether I'm going to go to college or not, whether I'm going to major yeah. in one thing or another. Yeah. Yeah, and then you're going to go through college, and you're going to hate it. You're just going to want to keep partying and being a little kid. But then eventually, you're going to grow up, and you're going to realize that you need to take personal responsibility, and. Uh, do some things. <laughs> I will. I will when I've seen where it goes. Not, yeah. not going to early adopt here. What do you want to talk about next week? Oh, geez. I have no idea. But uh, can, I, can I plug something? Yeah, go ahead. So, I'm thinking of starting my own podcast <laughs> where conversations like this will go. Good 
thing to bring up right now because we may have yeah. some people who've stayed all the way through this and they said, I want more and a lot of people won't yeah. and so they can they can go indulge with you. Yeah, the people that are <laughs> the people that already left, like you're probably not gonna like this podcast. Um and I'm not even sure if I'm gonna start it. But if I do, it'll probably be on my own personal website. Um it'll be on my you know, it'll be my thing. And it's gonna be mostly conversations that I personally want to have. It's not gonna be for art students. Like this podcast is for people that are learning how to draw and paint. This podcast would be more for people who align with my interests. Um and then if they don't, it's really it's just not for you. Um and my interests are art, technology, innovation, business, um, shoot, what else is there? <laughs> art, technology, uh, innovation, mean, along, yeah. Oh, education. Education is another big one that I, I like and um, I'm thinking a lot about. But it'll be mostly conversations. I'm going to bring on guests who are, who I want to talk to. Good, yeah. I'm glad you plugged that. Yeah, so there you go. I don't know where it's going to be yet. It's just an idea and it might okay. not even happen. <laughs> but right. look out for it. Follow me and I'll announce it if it happens. Those of you who endured this, thank you. Thank you to the small minority of uh, people who stuck to the end. <laughs> and <li> <laughs> thank you and I'm sorry <laughs> for putting you yeah, through it. Now you know better than to, if you uh, see a title like what you saw this was titled, you know, stay away. That's for the other people <laughs> and subscribe to that. Now you know better to click on titles. Okay. See ya. All right. Bye, guys.